Welcome to Gladness and Hunger. This is a podcast exploring the vocational magic of stories and soft skills. Frederick Beekner suggested that if you want a career satisfying to both soul and bank account, the key is to find where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. My name is Leanne W. Smith. I teach students how to get jobs as a professor in the College of Business at Lipscomb University in Nashville, Tennessee. I also write inspirational fiction. Welcome to today's conversation. I'm so excited to share Kendra Gensimer with you today. A pretty recent friend, but a friend who has felt like she's been a friend a lot longer than she actually has been. Mm -hmm. Kendra is somebody who just feels like a kindred spirit and blesses me every time I'm with her. So goal number one was to introduce her to you and to share what I love and admire about her. My daughter met her first, and she kept talking about this woman, this amazing woman. And I knew that Kendra was closer to my age than she was to my daughter's age. And so one of my first thoughts was, thank you, Lord, for all the women who are currently and will be in the future in my daughter's life who are mentors to her and who are good for her. And there have been so many women like that in my own life, and I'm just grateful. So if I haven't told you that lately, Kendra, Mm. thank you for being such a light and encouragement in my daughter's life. And then Kendra came to Nashville. She lives in Kansas City. She came to Nashville. I got to meet her, and I totally understood what Shelby was talking about. Uh, She just burns with a special light from the inside out. She's a special person. Here's here's one thing that I wrote about you, Kendra, and then I want to let you introduce yourself and tell your story. But every conversation that I've ever had with Kendra, I sense a hunger in her for the authentic. It feels to me like she's been on a hard journey that took her down to the studs of herself. And as she's rebuilding the framework, she's on a mission to turn each new beam into a gift for others. Well, gosh, you know, Shelby is, it's a mutual, mutual gift, friendship. I feel such a connection with the artist in her and the love of creating a life that honors God and everything she does. There's nothing as a parent that makes you feel more proud, I guess, than seeing your child lean into their God-gifted giftedness. And that feels so great. Um, so let's talk about you, your story. You know, when when I think about being a child, I always felt that, I, I even remember telling my mom when I was little, if people just understood each other, the world would be a better place. And I think that my hunger for the authentic in life is because you can't really deal with anything. You can't really understand if why someone is the way they are, why things are the way they are. If you, if you aren't real, if you aren't dealing with what's really true and what's really going on. And so much of that is moments, moment upon moment built on another and painful moments not dealt with 
just get buried on top of other moments. And so I love uncovering the moments that led up to a current situation or a current pain or a current joy or a skill that someone developed. How did they get there? Why did they get there? And and that that does drive me. I'm really driven hunger for beauty. And that is what I think is beautiful, right? And seeing God move in in the contrast of pain and joy is just the most beautiful thing to me in a human being. And I think people are like worlds that we can never fully know. They're as deep as the earth's oceans and as vast as the sky and as varied as the terrain of the earth. And I just love getting to know the world inside a person. I saw that yesterday. Um, we were at a we were at Northwind Manor, Andrew Peterson's Northwind Manor, and we had the chance to. I just had the chance to watch Kendra a little bit as she was meeting new people. And that's oh, that's what, what you, you were, were doing. You're I was watching, watching me. Watching you, <laughs> and it was beautiful because you did. You you brought person after person to the table, and that's exactly what you were doing. You were looking for them. You were seeing them and looking for them and. Um, no, and I'm getting a lump in my throat, of course, because I realize that deep down, my desire to make sure others are seen is because I so desperately want to be seen and known yeah. for my true, authentic self. And I think the biggest turning points in my life are when God brought people in my life who loved me even when I told them the worst things about me. Mm. To, to have that experience of someone loving you, knowing everything that you thought made you unlovable is so powerful, and it mirrors God's love for us, Just right? the truth, mm-hmm. yes. It made me think that Stan, my husband Stan, I've heard him say more than once that I, I think the thing that he fears most in life and I think it's the thing that most people fear most in life, is judgment. Yeah. There's something in judgment that I think makes us feel like we're going to put out, be put outside the camp. Rejection. Rejection yeah. hurts so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it does. And gosh, that's what was so beautiful about yesterday, being with that group of creatives at the rabbit room. Yeah was just such an undercurrent of love and acceptance and celebration of every person walking in that room. Yeah, such a beautiful spirit in that place. Yeah. Um, So I want to talk about that. There are a couple things going through my mind right now. I want to talk about place. I want to talk about homes. And I want to talk about what drew you to that group of creatives in the first place because you are a creative. Well, um, I'm here this week in Nashville to finally give myself the gift of focusing on writing a book that I've been toying with, I guess, for many years, since 2015-16, when I was going through the process of rebuilding my life after a divorce and totally 
terrified and insecure and um, beat down, you know, had, had entirely lost, lost my sense of self-worth. And miraculously, through a long journey that I'm hopefully writing about right now, I God did provide a home for me, and but it was as neglected and downtrodden as I was. And when I walked in the door of this home, I knew that it was mine, and I heard God say that he was going to rebuild me and this home together. And so I want to share the things that he did in that journey with me to give other people who are going through similar situations hope i i have always known i wanted to be a writer and i've danced around it i've gotten to do it in my profession i was trained as a journalist in college and i worked in the magazine industry um as an editor and a writer and then i've ended up in marketing so i've always had the privilege of of words in my work which has helped me to refine my skills, right? Right. But the desire to express myself through writing for personal projects is something I never really have followed through with. I think I, w- I didn't believe that I was worth. I-, I don't know how to say. It's a common feeling. It felt like a luxury to do it for myself. Self-indulgent. Yes. That's, yeah. Yes. I, I remember us talking about that, and it, I, I have felt the same way, a guilty pleasure. If it feels this good to, to write, then I surely, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I have written down times when he, God has spoken so clearly that this is what he wanted me to do. And I have wandered off on my own. And last fall, I guess it was, some shifts just started happening in me. And meeting you was one of them. I, when I read so your, oh gosh, when I read your book, Alone in the Cabin, I felt that you were speaking to me. Shelby had told me about it, of course, because it was about a woman turning 50. Um, getting a divorce and she was a writer and so I I really think that that story broke something loose in me gave me a, a dream and I felt the Holy Spirit in it in um, just reinforcing it is okay it is okay being so patient with me to get on board and so I had asked Shelby, I told Shelby I, I would really like to meet your mom and then when I met you and we had such an incredible connection. And then I had the boldness to ask if you would mentor me because I just admired so much that you had followed through with your dream, that you had sat your bottom in the seat and you finished three books. And I was thinking when I was little, like four years old, my parents were both musicians and classically trained musicians and teachers. And I wanted to learn to play the piano. And I wanted, but I asked my mom if she would sit with me because it felt lonely. Practicing was lonely. And she 
she was too busy. She said no. And that crushed me. And, and I love my mom. Oh, my gosh. She was my biggest supporter. Um, but that, so now, all these years later, asking you, would you mentor me? Um, that healed. You said yes. You didn't mm. check your calendar. You didn't pause. You just said yes. And just how you are now like sitting beside me on the piano. I'm not learning to play piano where I'm writing my book. I'm pursuing my dream. I started writing regularly because you said, yes, you would walk with me. And this mutual encouragement has brought life and given me courage and determination and having someone believe in me. And to actually be willing to walk through this process with me has been transformative. Wow, Kendra. I'm really humbled. You have no idea what a blessing you've been to me because I had trouble releasing that book into the world. I had, you know, filled with a lot of doubt, um, which is not for this podcast, that that part of my story. But, but just know that it was it was hard to put it out there, but I did feel compelled to do it. And I remember even, I don't know, this is crazy. I, a few years ago, I was getting a, a master's degree at MTSU, and it was so hard. I'd work all day, and I would meet my husband on the interstate and transfer the kids, and I would go on to Murfreesboro and take classes and then drive home weeping mm-hmm. because I felt like, you know, I'm not being a good mom. I'm not being with my girls and my family. And um, I remember this one time, it was, there were tornadoes. It was terrible. It was a terrible storm. And I'm driving home, it's late at night. And I'm just white knuckling the steering wheel. And I had that same feeling when I released alone in a cabin, like a white knuckling. I'm scared to death. My hands are shaking. I don't know if I'm supposed to put this story out there right now or not. And I just, just felt like I was supposed to. And then I've had a lot of things happen since that have been, um, that have made me wonder if that was a good idea or not. And so your words are really, they mean a lot to me. What is it about the, the hunger to create that also comes with so much doubt? Yeah, it just bubbles up from such a deep place inside of you. And like you alluded to earlier, it made me, I wrote down Parker Palmer. He wrote a book, Let Your Life Speak. And just this morning I was reading that he was talking about how often the, the calling that is so deep in us, this need that we have to make a certain contribution to the world stems from a place of pain. And so there's, yeah, I, I think maybe I also remember hearing that a child, you know, we have these formative years and then we hit about 10 years old and we spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened in those early formative years and how do I fix that? Yeah. And maybe that's what we're trying to do. We fall, we get up. We lose, but we gain something in return. We love in spite of the risk. So much of life is conquering fear to reach the gifts that lie on the other side. That's a quote from my latest book, Alone in a Cabin, a contemporary romantic suspense about a woman who finds herself on her own again shortly after turning 50. 
I share that quote here at the midpoint of our conversation today as an encouragement for wherever you are on your own journey toward gladness and hunger. Information about me, my books, this podcast, and the content I teach can be found on my website at leannewsmith.com. So another question that I'd love to ask you, and this comes from a phrase in the book, in Alone in a Cabin, there's a place where I say, when she looked back over her shoulder at her life, and I was putting together a class this time a year ago, a women in business class, and I got, I had the privilege of doing several interviews with some accomplished women. And every single one of them, it was so clear to me, I could look over her shoulder at her life and see how God was always bringing her to her. God was always shaping her and molding her into who she was always meant to be. And I just love that phrase. And so I would love to ask you that question when you look back over your shoulder at your life. Do you see how God was bringing you to right now? I absolutely do. And the most powerful message for me from him that began, my first memory of life is of being a little girl alone in bed, terrified of the dark and terrified of being alone. And my mom was reading probably Dr. Spock or something. And he said, don't go in that room. Don't go comfort the child. And so my mom was trying to be a good mom and did not come comfort me. And I remember sensing that I was not alone, a very strong, distinct presence with me, calming me. And later when someone was introducing me to Jesus and telling me about him as a little girl still, I remember thinking, "That's that's who that is. Um, and so through the course of my life, when I, when I came across the verse at the end of Matthew, which actually was a really cool experience because this guy, I went to hear someone who had memorized the entire book and was reciting it from memory. So I didn't, wow. I didn't read this. I heard it spoken for the first time, and it's where he says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I, that just brought me comfort because we haven't talked about the Enneagram, but, um, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy is learning in my journey to understand people and myself. I, I just love the Enneagram and, and I'm a four on, in that explanation of how people experience the world um, and so I have high value of understanding, being understood and understanding others. Oh, as a four, we often feel disconnected, misunderstood. We feel like there's something wrong with us and we feel alone. And that verse just, I tell myself still to this day that the fact of God's presence creates an undergirding of strength and a structure that helps me breathe and live and just knowing that he is with me and I'm not alone it 
changes everything. I cannot imagine not having that. It's a beautiful reminder to us all to remember that. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That's one that I've hung on to and means so much to me. And so when I'm writing, because of how he made me, I, I guess, I feel his presence. I, I totally rely on him. I start every activity involving writing with a surrender and ask him to use me to guide my hands, to guide my heart, to flow through me. And I try to see that work as his and be aware of him in it. And it I don't do it perfectly by any means. And it is a constant check-in. And often I forget and I have to come back when I realize that I've wandered off on my own. And But that's... But what a- what an incredible stability, guiding post, source of power. I love that. That's a habit that I need to cultivate in my own life. Well, and you know, this trans, this shift in the fall, I can't remember how the thought came to me, but just in absorbing all the things, I realized if he has so clearly called me to write, then I, and it is where I feel just a complete um, falling into the fact that this is how I feel closest to him. Then if I elevate its importance in my life to be on par with prayer, I prioritize praying, I prioritize studying his word, then why would I not prioritize being with him in writing that he has called me to. And that mind shift totally got me excited. I couldn't, I started to, to perceive it yeah, as a way to, I couldn't wait to go be with him. I couldn't wait to get up early and go have that precious time doing what he has called me to do. Yeah. And You know, as a parent, it makes sense to me that we don't. I, I used to think that I had to follow a certain script, I guess, to be in God's favor and worried always that I wasn't doing it right. And as I've grown into adulthood, it, it is a freeing realization that it's okay to be me. It's okay to do the things that I love, especially the things that I want to do through him and with him, partnering with him to create stories. Um, that has to bring him so much pleasure in the same way that it brings me pleasure as a parent to see my children use their own giftedness. Absolutely. And I think what occurs to me as you're talking is that it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean there's going to be uh, an, a road without bumps or struggles. And um, But knowing that you're doing what he's called you to do helps you keep going through those hard times and through the doubts and 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 like with my project right now I am not thinking about the end I am not worried about what I'm going to do with this story I'm just focusing on one step at a time with him yeah 
getting it on paper. Enjoy that journey mm-hmm. because there is no better. It's really the the pinnacle of the joy for me, at least, is the journey and the partnership. Well, I hate that we're coming to the end of our conversation. I would love to ask, because I do teach soft skills, I would love to ask at least one question. Um, what skills or qualities would you recommend people hone, not just young people, but anybody? What do you think are the critical skills that they really need to hone in order to be successful? So there are so many, but I'm going to I'm going to land on one given the the time that we are in and this coming out of the pandemic and the shutdown and and we're all still figuring out our our work life together because we all got separated and so in this time in in, in my work, I see the value of collaboration and teamwork and those interpersonal soft skills um, being so valuable and the ability to see what other people bring to the table and respect that and value it no matter their age or their um, position. My, the chief marketing officer that I work for, she has been the greatest leader for us. She, I watch her value all of our thoughts and we are a diverse team with a lot of different perspectives of, um, how, how we should message something or how, how we should work a campaign. And, um, but we all do. Why it works is because we value each other's thoughts and what we know, we believe deep down that what we create in the end by working together is better than if we would were doing it on our own. Yes, I believe that. We are better together than any one of us on our own. That's a beautiful thought to end on. Kendra, thank you. Thank you for listening. May today's conversation fan the flames of your own dreams and offer you practical insights as you seek to satisfy the world's deep hunger with the gifts God has placed securely in your own hand. Until next time.